you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's good, man? Peanut, bro. I'm a huge fan, dog. I ain't never really got to kick it with you, dog, but good to, good to meet you, man. Oh, you too, boss. You too. Huge fan. Roman, what's up, bro? You know how I feel about you, dog. I love you, man. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. You know you my guy, so. When they know. told me it was y'all, I said, hell yeah. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Hey y'all, what's going on? I'm Peanut Tillman and I got my guy with me as always, Roman the Deacon Harper. Harper, what's going on? Tell him. What's up, man? You baby? know what, man? I, I appreciate that. that. was a short intro. You didn't give me three or four different nicknames. I would take Deacon being from Alabama. That is like the highest of compliments growing up in the Baptist church was to be called Brother or Deacon. Roman Harper. So yeah, I appreciate Baptist churches. You know, y'all be in church hey. about three, four hours on Sundays. Hey, every Sunday. South. Every Sunday, you know what I'm saying? Every Sunday. At least my church wasn't the one where everybody was just running. Everybody had the Holy Ghost running around. So at least when somebody Shout out an old sky. You believed it because it was like speaking, one every, you know, every speaking couple that Sundays. Tongue. So. It was good. Shout an old sky. Amen. <laughs> hallelujah. All right. Hallelujah. So we got my man today. We got a special guest, my man, D'Angelo Hall. For all those that don't know, we all just call him D. Hall or just D. He is a great friend of mine. I've got to know him through the past couple golf tournaments. He's got a pretty decent golf swing, but it's more about all the fun and the giggles we have when we get together. His second acts include being a commentator on different networks, doing radio play-by-play for the Washington Commanders, and he's currently an analyst with the NFL Network, a 14-year NFL vet. First round pick, eighth overall. I believe he was the first DB in 2004 taken. A three-time pro bowler and once picked off Jay Cutler four times in one game. In the Bears of 2010, I remember that one. It almost reminded me the same time when we went to the Pro Bowl and I actually played beside this guy. And I literally walked away saying, this is the most, most athletic, best DB I've ever seen in my life. The guy's feet are amazing. His ball skills are amazing. And he can run. It's just all about, does he actually really want to play today? I think he did want to play that day. And when he did, you saw what you got. D, D Hall, what's up, baby? How you doing? What's going on, fellas? I'm doing great, man. Hey, I, I appreciate that intro. It was it was a it was a damn good one, man. But I'm just <laughs> I'm just honored to be in the presence of greatness myself, man. Peanut, like I mentioned earlier, huge fan of yours, man. I can't wait to hell. I'm trying to pick your brain. I might turn this interview into an interview about you, but absolutely excited to be on this uh, on this show. You two, wrong man. Love y'all, dudes, man. So huge fan of my DBs. So can't wait oh, to yeah. get it That's, on. I always like when we have a a, a DB on the show because it is it's it's a lot easier to do just because we play the same position. But I, what I really want to say is I remember that 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 the game with with Cutler and I think we were just sitting there like. Why in the hell is this dude still throwing the ball to D Hall? <laughs> okay, I get the first one like, yeah, it was a bad throw. That was on me. I'm gonna I'm gonna make up for it. The second one, eh, maybe it was a receiver. The third one, okay, he kind of hot right now. <laughs> the fourth one, it was just 
to me, the fourth that was his pride and ego. He's that was a gift too. That to the damn ball. Oh my god! <laughs> he just threw right. it up. I'm playing. Danzo, explain to me. All right, D, tell me kind of like break down each one. What were you guys maybe in? Give me a quick little synopsis of it. Let How me, does let it end up getting the four? Let me first give y'all a little background. So I played Jay Cutler probably two years prior to that when I was in Oakland, right? That half a year I played in Oakland. Um, <laughs> and when it, he was in Denver. One of his right. top receivers was Eddie Royal, V-Tech guy. I didn't play at Tech with Eddie, but I knew all about Eddie. I knew Eddie was a really good receiver. But because we're Oakland, all we played was man. So Mike Shanahan got us, you know, running all over the place. Like, he's got all type of motions, and, like, we're in straight man, so I'm – Yo-yo motion. I'm running back and forth. And so they they killing us. Eddie probably had, I don't know, eight, nine catches. So I'm sure Jay Cutler probably like, ooh, D Hall coming to Chicago. I lit him up when I was with Denver, right? So he just kept coming to the well. First one, I'm on Devin Hester. Devin runs like a little curl route. I'm in like a man coverage. But Devin being new to, to the receiver position, he just didn't come back to the ball. So I was able right. to kind of Beat him out his break. He was sitting there waiting on the curl. And I turned it to the receiver, came back, ended up having a diving interception for number one. Um, I want to say number two was a slant route. We in literally two man. I got Johnny Knox, the inside cutoff. Johnny Knox almost like doesn't even fight me to run the slant. He just kind of like, all right, you cut me off. Jay throws it right in my hand. The third one's like a blitz. He throws Thank it you. out to the flats. Get it with one hand and you know, take it to the house. And the fourth one, literally, cover three into the game. He just throw that joint up. I'm two yards ahead of the receiver, just bailing. Get the fourth one. And I'm like, man, this is easy. Finish the season with five. So that goes to tell you, we can get many more. <laughs> the funny thing about that is, I remember being on the sideline and everyone on defense was like, he made the pro ball off this game right here. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he, he going to pro ball off this game right here. Like it's, it's a wrap. He, he got one of the three corner spots already is, is gone. So just, damn, now I got to work. And I had two forced fumbles that game. I thought I was having a good damn game. Hey, I tell people, and I was like, just we like, were, like we were battling that team. Like I think Pep ran one back. You caused a couple fumbles. I think Erlacher might have had a pick. Man, it was, and the score was like 15, 13. Like it was crazy to have four picks. They, they Chicago, y'all had a bunch of turnovers too on yeah. us. We had Donovan McNabb, like it was a who's who of guys. Albert Haynesworth. I mean, it was it was literally a bunch of dudes on that field, man. But we just could not <laughs> muster any real offense, man. But it was a hell of a game, man. And Soldier Field oh, is such sure. an iconic stadium, man. To do it there, man, it was a it was an amazing feeling, man. I ain't never been in the zone on a basketball court dropping 50, 60. But I would imagine that's what it would feel like. And, and so, D'Angelo, the, the funny, the best thing about it is literally what Peanut was thinking on the sidelines, like, man, this guy's going to a Pro Bowl. Literally the rest of the league voted you in, and it was true. Because I was sitting at the house, we watched the highlights, and I'm like, this dude got four picks? We all came back to our meme room on that Monday and Tuesday. It was like, this dude going to the Pro Bowl, dog. He in the Pro Bowl off one off game. Off top, one game. Off he top. But one guy is already in. Don't even worry about it. He's locked up. And it's true. And so that same year, you end up going to the Pro Bowl, and I was actually your teammate. So it was my first time getting to meet you. I met a few, quite a few of the other um, Atlanta, your former teammates, Atlanta guys there too as well. And so we're all there. Everybody's hanging out. 
And this was the first time. So I was supposed to be getting paid pretty soon. I was the youngest DB there. It was like Adrian Wilson. But you, you looked the oldest, though. <laughs> the best thing is that <laughs> everybody's Button. there, and we start remixing coverages. They're like, all right, you can only run so many coverages in the Pro Bowl. And Adrian Wilson and who else is the other safety? I think Antrell Rowe. They all were like, you know, we're going to start doing something else. So, dude, literally this guy D'Angelo just was sitting on everything and, like, had another, like, three picks or something, like something crazy, right? Like, another game, he was in the zone. And I literally walked away like, this is the most talented guy I've ever seen in my life. He was like... Hardly working a little bit. It's Pro Bowl, so you're not going too hard. But it's just like, this guy's ball skills are immaculate. And so, I just wanted to share with that. And what was it like that day as well? Because you were also in the zone. You celebrated. You got the MVP. You got all your family, your kids. Everybody was there. It was all, I was kind of envious. Kind of jealous. I did. I did. You know, I always, ever since my rookie year, right, when I, when, when I, when I was – wanted to make the Pro Bowl, and I kind of had it in my head, right? It was such a big deal when, when, yeah. when we were playing. Um, it was such a huge honor. Everybody said, man, I can't wait to go across the water, right? And yep. that was that was the thing to try to try to get to the Pro Bowl. It was kind of the measuring stick. Um, and so, yeah, man, I always – it was such an honor for me to go. I had to make sure I included everybody who kind of helped me along the way. And so, yeah, I always kind of had bought a crew, and I just remember thinking – man, if they throw this rock, I'm going to have a chance. And I remember telling everybody all week, like, bro, I'm going to try to go get this MVP. Like, they throwing it in the air. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get some picks. And, yeah, they ran a, like a deep post, and I was able to stay on top. Like you talked about the ball skills, man. That was something – even now watching football, man, and watching DBs not play the ball is so frustrating being oh, a dude who, who played the ball in the air because – like a lot of them silly penalties is just a comfort thing, right? You're in perfect position. Just get yes. your head around. Or I see a guy go put one hand out and knock it down when you very easily could have put two and intercepted it, man. I was just – I was always taught at a young age, man, get the football. Like, it's value in getting the football. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that Pro Bowl, man, I just remember even when I tackle people, right, I had Wes Welker on the sideline and I went to form tackling him and I'm like, oh, my God, I feel that football. <laughs> and then, you know, got the, you know, this little strip, got the football out. Um, and I teach my kids that, man, like they tackle the football. Like, you know, I'm not, ta I'm not trying to tackle you. I'm trying to tackle the football. And it's something I've always done, man, since I, I mean, I got videos in high school, middle school, stripping the ball on like form tackles, man. And so I, I, I just have always valued that football, man. And I don't know if it was because I started out as an offensive <clears> guy. <throat> that just so happened to want to play defense. A lot of people think think because we're DBs, we can't catch or something's wrong. I'm like, no, I yeah. I just like hitting I like hitting people versus getting hit. And so to me, it was easy. I'm going to play offense yeah. when I get the ball. When I intercept it, right. I can turn into an offensive guy, but I'd rather do the hitting than get hit. And so, yeah, it was to me, it was just always about getting the football. Sometimes it got me in a little bit of trouble, um, but it wasn't until I got with coaches who understood, like, man, this is a dude who who wants to get the football. If I can put some plays in that allows him, that's why we started running some trap. We're riding. Yep. If we can run some plays that allows him to be greedy, maybe yeah. he won't be greedy in other coverages. And I mean, it was a it was a match made in heaven between um, between me and Raheem Morris because he understood what it was like to have a guy who, who wanted to get the football, and so. He didn't mind giving me some coffee, but we say like, coach, I need a break. And he knew that meant 
all right, let me run something to let you turn into the playmaker um, versus having to protect from the deep ball or any other thing. So it was just like you talked about, man. It was just just being in the zone, man. And like you said, them Pro Bowls, man, everybody out there kind of kind of half-assing it sometimes. And so I, I wanted to go out there and try Take to make a stick. <laughs> no the doubt. funny thing, you, you said something about going to get the ball. Uh, you tackle the football. Gilbert, San Diego Chargers – ring of honor he was my db coach in chicago and he used to always say i mean i ain't got a football but he was like yo it's about the football this thing right here it's worth millions and if you go out there and you can get it back you will get millions of dollars it's about this football right here he's like when that ball is in the air it's anybody's but my mindset is that's my damn ball i'm going to get it when the ball is in the air i become the receiver that mindset is kind of what transcended, in my opinion, like our defense. That's that's kind of how we operate. It was like, yo, go get the ball back. Go get the ball back for our offense. And you were talking about teaching your kids how to do that, how to play that. Uh, you, you sound like a coach. I know that's something that you've been passionate about and some things that you want to do. Where did, where did coaching come into play? I mean, I, I just think – I just think we as former players, man, like we, we have such a wealth of knowledge, right? And I've had coaches who could could coach the game, but it, it just always felt different coming from a guy who had actually done it. And, oh, then, yeah. and then the communication, right? We've all been in DB rooms where a coach might say something, right? And you got guys in the room who like, huh? Like, Coach, well, you know. And then maybe you as the leader, you you'll see the same thing the coach says and you can comprehend it, but you just have a way of, of, of just simplifying it, right? Putting it in layman terms, mm-hmm. putting it in terms that they can understand, right? Instead of past da, 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 da. all right, well, guys, well, check this out, guys. If we got strong side over here, and this you know, it's just an easier way to communicate it. And so for me, I've always just, I don't know, man. I just I, I feel like I've always had a way with with words. I, I I've mm-hmm. always been able to communicate. And so for me, toward the back end of my career, right, I played 14 years. The last four, I probably played maybe 10 games the last four years. And so a lot of it was IR, right? Year 11, I tore my Achilles. Year 12, I had a a, a turf toe that I missed like eight games. Um, mm. Year 13, I had a, a, a ACL. So year 14, I, you know, I was just trying to not have a surgery and, and, and finish the season healthy. And mm-hmm. so, like, from year 11 to 14, a lot of that was spent essentially coaching, pouring into a lot of these young guys. Um, and it was there that I, that I really felt like, man, like, I got a, I got a real talent for this. Mm-hmm. Um, just the business in general, right, especially the National Football League, it's so, it's so hard because as players we were always taught, man, Peanut, if you're good, they're going to see you. You're going to get yeah. noticed right? in high school. Yeah. You're going to get a scholarship. Yeah. In college, you're going to get into the league. In the league, you're going to get a Pro Bowl. You're going to get all pros. You're going to get um, contracts and get your money, you know, and get paid. Right. Coaching, for some reason, it, it just – the best doesn't always get the job, right? And so it, it, it's kind of weird and it's, it's definitely frustrating when you're a former athlete who has always been taught let your, let your work speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've kind of geared – away from actually wanting to coach in the league because I've seen so much of the nepotism 
Um, I, I, I've actually, you know, enjoyed being on TV so much because now I, I feel like I have to advocate for some of those coaches, right? And I'm right. loving having my voice. I'm loving the platform. I'm understanding the way to use it a little bit more as I continue in it. Um, and, hell, man, I apologize to numerous black coaches that I played for um, just because I didn't know that the grind and the struggle was that real. You know I didn't either. Like, I didn't as either. A player, like, we don't really think about that as players, right? We don't really think about who's coaching us or the guy who should have got the job. We just like, all right, this is our coach. Even if he don't know what he's doing, we try to find a way to make the best of it, right? But, you know, the best thing about that, though, is those black coaches, in my opinion, what I admire about all those black coaches they never complain to us. Exactly. You never they just knew. shut up and they they would they just grind and they got through it. Yeah. You know, and I I it doesn't make it right, but I I appreciate them not complaining and 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 going through that process to make me a better player because the majority of my coaches in the league were black. Yeah. You know. And, and not only that, that, but I, I think, you know, and, and I learned this from Aaron Glenn, not only as a former teammate of mine, but then as later on in my career as my DB coach before now being a DC at Detroit was that <clears throat> not only does he have to do just as much, but some you got to do more. You got to do more. You got to do more. You, you got to do twice with- as much just to get half. <laughs> yeah. And so, well, that's his mindset. And so to be able to go out there and, and like he was saying, yeah, he's just like you, former great player, first round pick, got all these great accolades, but still when you get in that coaching room, they still look at you as like, oh, is he just a player? Because I think sometimes coaches that don't play look at players, coaches that do that did play, and look at them with a kind of a side eye or like, what is that tension? Maybe because you've been in that room a little hey, bit. They do. What is that? Because I do. think that they, is a thing. Let me, they do, guys, and I'm not going to throw any coaches under the bus. But um, when I first retired, man, I actually interviewed to be the DB coach for for Washington at one point. Yes. Um, and I had already kind of wrap my head around, man, I I, I want to coach, right? I had interviewed for the University of Maryland when Loxley had got the job, and he offered me the job right there on the spot. And a couple days later, I found out, well, probably one day later, I found out, man, Washington's going to probably fire their DB coach. They were looking for, for a DB coach. So I'm like, man, so I hit Loxley up, like, coach, I, I can't 100% tell you yes or no. I got to take this opportunity. And he was 100% cool with it. He said, I couldn't wait all day. You know, I feel like our job is the best, you know, da, 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 da. what are you supposed to say? And I'm in this interview and I had other coaches, you know, along the way who's coached me, kind of helped prep me for it. And I mean, I was, I was on, man. Like I, I got a PowerPoint. I'm, I'm going. Yeah, I was wondering, are you showing like coverages? What do you like? Oh, yeah, to do? Sir. like I'm showing okay. coverages. I'm showing what I'm what my philosophy is, right? How I value getting the football, how I value putting you in position to get the football, the technique, da 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 da. I'm rolling through all the coordinators and I and I really was like, wow, like I've been around some really, some really dope dudes, some really, you know, coaches that are well respected in this league. Mm-hmm. And I get in there and I'm, you know, and I'm bah, 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 and I'm killing it. And I leave and they like, <clears throat> and the coaches are like, wow, like we're impressed. And then the head coach in the DC was in the meeting. And later on, I find out I was so close to getting the job, but I end up not getting it right. And the reason is because the coordinator came in and kind of told the head coach, like, you know, this might be my last time being a coordinator. And I, I really just, I really don't want a first year DB coach. 
and this was a former player and one of his one of his questions to me was man are you are you really ready to commit to this and i'm thinking like well what makes you think if i was a great player and i committed to being a great player like it's the same type of commitment right like i'm gonna commit to putting my players in position to make like being a a great coach as well i'm gonna i'm gonna put tenfold that effort but i also had a question in the back of my head like and i wanted to say this but i didn't because i wanted to be respectful but i was like so what makes you think you could you could do it as a former player who wasn't a really good player but you could do it but what makes you think i can't do it instead yeah. of being a former player saying hell yeah bro that's what i, I had the same mindset and bringing you along mm-hmm. but they don't do that they don't bring you along you know what i mean they almost see you as competition and right. unfortunately man it ain't a lot of these jobs and so i yep. kind of understand it but i was never of that mindset right when a young dude came in I'm pouring everything into him because I want you at your best to try to take my job. Because if I don't earn this spot, somebody's going somebody's gonna to take it. Whether I tell you nothing and try to sandbag you, and then the next year somebody take my spot, or I look bad and they bring in a free agent. So it was always my mindset, let me pour everything I can into you as a young guy because I want you knowing what I, what I, what I know, right? Because I know yeah. I'm not going to play this game forever, but I also want you at your best when I when I win the job, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I've always wanted smarter guys than myself on staffs and rooms. Yeah. Like I was always that guy, man, we can get key. Man, go get key. That's going to make my job easier. Or we could go get right. this guy, that guy. I always wanted to play, you know, with other great players because I just always felt like they would make me better. You know what I mean? The, the, the mm-hmm. more players we got, the easier it, it will to win a game. That's the good thing about Coach um, Coach Rivera. You know, when Rome and I were in, <clears throat> I had the I had the honor and privilege of being coached by him when I was in Chicago when he was there. We went to a Super Bowl, and then when I was in uh, Carolina, actually, the two Super Bowls I've been to have been with Coach Rivera. He has been my my good luck charm to get me to a Super Bowl. Um, but his whole coaching philosophy is, I need to bring my coaches up. My goal as a head coach. It's to coach my coaches and help my coaches become head coaches. I want my coaches to be head coaches with me. And you would see him let the youngest guy, the most rookie guy on the staff, get in front of the team and have a 10-minute conversation with the team. And it was the coolest, it was the coolest thing. And I, I really liked how he would lead. And because I, I think he was always saying, you never want to you never want your first opportunity to have the room when you get it for your first job you want to be able to do it as like an intern or a a graduate assistant like you want to have all that experience going into becoming a a a db coach so but by the time you become a db coach it's like i already know how to do a room i've already had a room before you know so with all that being said all the work that you have to do all these little side jobs and you know starting at the bottom working your way back to the top D. Hall, how do you feel about Jeff Saturday being the head coach? Just kind of skipping all that and going right to the top. And no disrespect to Jeff Saturday. I, mean, I, don't, think, no, I don't think he's a bad exactly. person or or anything. Yeah. It's this is not a knock on Jeff. It ain't it ain't nothing that I'm it's not relevant at all. It's absolutely. Relevant, and look, I know Jeff personally. Like, yeah. love Jeff personally. Like, that's my dude. <laughs> like, I hit him up when he got the job. 
I've talked to Jeff prior to that um, about a lot of things. When I was living in Georgia before I moved to Virginia full time, Jeff was 30 minutes from me. Um, and so, like, I got a great relationship with Jeff. And I'm 100% so hype that a dude who had no coaching experience as a former player mm -hmm. would stand on that shield and say, yeah, like, this is what I do. Like, when people ask me, like, can, 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 can a guy, I'm like, hell yeah, a guy can do that. Now, what sucks is that a black, and, and I hate to say this, but a black true, player would never get that chance. The right. same way I love John Lynch. I could call John Lynch right now and get John on the phone. John has, mm -hmm. has asked me to come out and be a part of the 49ers front office because at one point I had aspirations of being in the front office, right? And But for him to come from the booth and get that opportunity, like the black former player just don't get that opportunity, man. If, right. and, it, and it sucks. It sucks. And so – I'm, 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 I'm hyped for Jeff. Um, and I think he'll do great because at the end of the day, them players want, they want to do who's, who's been through the fire. Like they want a leader. And that's what people don't understand. Like as a head coach, yeah, I got to know X's and O's and I got to know game plans and all this, but I'm a CEO, man. Like I got to be able to manage relationships. I have to be able to communicate. I have to be able to, to lead men. And Jeff's a hell of a leader. There's a lot of former players that are great leaders. Like, I think about the NBA. And I look at all the guys who are helping build rosters in the NBA. All these former players that are GMs, presidents, and head coaches with no experience. Just, man, I've been in that locker room for 15 years, man. I know what it's supposed to look like. I know what a guy who really wants to work at his craft, I know what it looks like. I also know what it looks like when a guy kind of just want to give you that lip service. Uh -huh. Yeah, coach, I'm going to do this. Uh, your film doesn't show me that you care about the game like you're telling me you care about the game. And so I just feel like we look at things with a different lens, right? Like when I'm looking at a player, I'm looking at scheme. I'm looking at, you know, what does he do well? I'm looking at can I put him in position to be successful? Because we all know if I can put you in position to be successful, you're going to be confident and when you got confidence, man, as a player, it ain't nothing you feel like you can't do. And so True. there's a lot of these little things that I feel Facts. like council pushers just don't really comprehend. Um, and I know I'm kind of off, off, off subject, but. No, no, no. You're speaking mind, bro. But Jeff got that opportunity because of his relationship. And yep. because yep. of no black ownership, it's hard to have a genuine relationship from a guy who can really 100% relate to you. And the best way I can describe it is when I was doing a lot of front office, like training and stuff, I was talking to a lot of former GMs and presidents and they were just, you know, they were telling me like, like when you're in there talking to the owner, like the owner don't really know football. So he ain't like, he's not trying to be wooed by X's and O's. Like he's been wooed by his life experiences and his conversational skills. And so I'm going to throw Arthur Smith name in the bank because in, in, in the bucket, because I, I know Arthur Smith, he's the Falcons coach. He was a, he was a low level, like QC when I first got to Washington in 2008. And I didn't know who Arthur Smith was. I didn't know him from the man on the moon. And somebody was like, Oh, you know, his daddy owned FedEx. I say for real. Yeah. His daddy, Fred Smith, like literally owns FedEx and is a part of 
Washington's ownership group. That's how he got a job. I'm like, for real? Yeah. So his dad's a billionaire who has been trying to buy a team for years and possibly still might, right? They're based out of Nashville. Um, and so for Arthur Smith to go in there and talk to Arthur Blank, it's a different conversation when he's interviewing, right? Right. Well, mm-hmm. Arthur probably knows his dad in some circles, but it, it, it's a different conversation that those guys are having versus, say, Eric Bieniemy who goes in to have a conversation with an owner. You know what I mean? And so it, it, it's so many life experiences that just we can't fully relate to. It's almost like where'd you grow up at, right? And it's your mm-hmm. background, and all those things kind of come into come into the equation. Is is not is not just football. It's who that owner really feels the most comfortable with. And whether he admits it or not, any owner, whether they admit it or not, they're comfortable with who they're comfortable yes. with, who they're yeah. around the most. No and doubt. Unfortunately, it's not us. And now, D'Angelo. The, the, the and have some of us in that room, it ain't going to change. Now, now, all that being said, and like I, I would agree with you 3,000%, because most people probably are used to you know, certain power structures in their own life or their own life experiences. So what they see or what they grow up with, they're kind of like what they're used to. And it's been successful for them. These are not just like middle of the road people we're referring to. So with all that, what you talked about the front office role. So where where would you see yourself in a front office role when you did envision yourself there? Like, what was that looking like? Because I thought I wanted to be a GM at some point, like yeah, I mean, I don't know about rosters, helping build rosters. Um, my first year being retired, man, I actually uh, interned in 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 Washington's front office, so I got to go to the combine. I got to break down the DBs, um, and it was the year Jahir Alexander came out, Denzel Ward. Um, Who who'd you like more, Jahir Alexander or Denzel Ward? I mean, they both were studs. Now, a lot of people didn't know Jahir. And so my DB coach was his coordinator at Louisville. Uh, and so I had an insight. Crazy how play. small football gets. It's I crazy. know. Lorenzo Ward actually played at Bama, uh, whammy. And so coached me at Virginia Tech. And so I kind of had an inside track on how this kid's makeup was, like what drove him, right, that competitiveness, that edge that you have to have. And I kind of right. had that same inclin- inclination when you talk about uh, 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 J.C. Horn, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely love Pat Sertan. Love love him to death. Technician, great corner. It was just something about J.C. game that I, I just always put J.C. ahead of Sertan for the simple fact I felt like he was more the kind of player that I would like on my team. Not saying mm-hmm. Sertan wasn't better, and I, I still think probably Sertan's better for sure. But it was something about that dog mentality that he told me, man, he just always wanted to compete, D-Hall, no matter what. And I'm like, like, that's the same thing they told me about Jahir, right? He just always wanted to compete. Denzel was better, smoother, faster, a lot of these other things, probably more more polished. Um, but it was something about Jahir Alexander that just, when I watched him on film, it resonated with me. And it was the same thing about J.C. Horn. And I say all that to say as a front office guy, because we've been in those situations mm-hmm. on a field watching guys come in, young guys come in. It's crazy because we can see it in guys. 
we can see the little things, the little nuances that a guy might do that the untrained scout, he don't know what the hell he really looking at. Like he's right. looking at a list that tells him <clears throat> who need to be this tall. He need to run this fast. It's 40. Okay. He, he's so-and-so. He's so-and-so because his size and weight and height. No, his game ain't so-and-so. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just, it was always building rosters, man. And it was building rosters with the mindset of not only athletically, how do you fit in my scheme? But personality-wise, how many guys have come in your locker room personality-wise that great player but just didn't fit, right? We had an Albert mm-hmm. Hainsworth at one point. Dog, great player. But he was never going to work with Mike Shanahan. And so it just threw off the whole vibe it's of the answer. locker room. You know, it, grew, it threw, threw, threw the whole vibe of the locker room. And so there's a lot of those things when you talk about trying to build a roster that I don't think the average person really takes into consideration. They just think we're playing Matt and just plug him in and he can do it all. He, he's, he's a 95 over. He's a great player. We're going to plug him in. Huh? He's a zone corner. We play man. Mm, probably not going to work for him. You know what I mean? Like Josh Norman. Yeah. Eh, we needed him to do stuff a little different than how we do things. Coach, we can make him a great player. We just got to put him in position to make them plays. Put him in man and tell him to get out of break with cats. Ain't really what he gonna be great at, no. and so you just gotta find you just gotta find your niche, right? Put a guy in position to be successful, and he'll be an all pro for you. I mean, I I did a little bit of broadcasting, talking on TV, and it was cool. It was fun, and people always ask me, "Oh, why don't you get into coaching? You you you'd be a great coach." And I think I'd be decent at it at best. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. I know what to look for. As you as you as you were saying, like we see things through our football lens. We don't just watch games like, oh, yeah, he caught the ball. Cool. Like, I'm looking at, oh, quarterbacks outside the pocket. Okay, uh, he's 12 yards on the field. I can push my receiver down. I don't, you know, like, I'm looking at all these these little things. Which one are you more passionate about, broadcasting or being a coach? That's a great question. Challenging I know, I know, I know. And I'm and I'm struggling with this because my <laughs> wife always gets on me, right? Because every time I'm watching a game on TV, I'm coaching, right? I'm coaching my kids. I'm telling, I'm just coaching what was wrong. Hey, hey, you should just coach. And I'm like, oh, you're right. I, I love my free time too much at this point in my life. <laughs> like they missed that bandwagon, right? When they didn't let me in when they did and I was ready to commit. Yeah. And so now I, I just I feel like I can't coach now, right? I got little ones that I'm that I'm enjoying pouring into them. I enjoy my free time. I enjoy golfing, trying to golf and be a good golfer. <laughs> I was it's hearing cool. that. I was right hearing now, that. my head ain't even wrapped on six in the morning to eight at night. Like that's no. a grind. I don't <laughs> think people realize that. Yeah. They don't realize the grind that coaches oh, the grind. put into the grind it. That's why I don't want to real. do it. It's too much now. Nah, y'all work yeah, twelve it, hour it, days. They work 12-hour days, Peanut and, and D-Hall, to get, like, one steal of a play. Like, 12 hours to get to set up a player for one play. And don't let them mess it up because they're going to let you know. Oh, like, well, hey, man, it ain't for me. Hey, it ain't, I'll it ain't probably for me. fight one of these players they mess it up after <laughs> I done got there and spent all that time trying to help you make a play. One play. It ain't, it ain't one for route. It ain't Man, I'm screaming on 11-year-olds, 5th and 6th graders out here playing. I'm the coordinator, the coordinator. I'm screaming on everybody because if I done told you how to make that play, dog, and you ain't make – like, come on, man. You know what I mean? Like, but I got a high – I got a high standard, man. Yes. And so, like, even – like, my kids watching film, they – you know, they making plays, like, 
my my 11-year-old made a play on a screen pass. And I remember showing it to him on film. And on like on the field, after he makes the play, he's like, the brain, I saw it on film. And I'm like, that's what this dude's in the league can't comprehend seeing right. it on film and taking it to the game. And so it, it's 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 just it's fun, man. Like I'm having so much fun uh coaching them. I I, I never really got nervous because I, I always knew what to expect out of myself. I get nervous watching them. Like it's way more exciting watching them make a play than any play I, I ever made. So my yeah. daughter has her first game tonight. She's on the varsity. And my look, I got my Ooh. oldest, she's about six feet tall. She a tall one. She hooper. Yeah, uh, she is she a hooper. And she okay. got her first game tonight. And I'm you you are a thousand percent right. When your kids are playing and they're doing things and they're making plays, it doesn't even compare to what you did when you made a play and you got 80,000, 90,000 people screaming your name. It's me, a couple of other parents in the gym, and I am just like, I am on 10. So excited for my kids. It's one of the one of the coolest things. So we're going uh, to pay some bills. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about my calls, my cleat, and what you have yours for. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you were playing, you had a couple of things going on, right? You were, you were involved with some some charitable, uh, some charities, I should say. Uh, and now, being retired, out of the game, broadcaster, uh, Pop Warner Coach of the Year. Uh, <laughs> what are what are some of the uh, what are some of the what is your uh, my calls my key blah, my calls my cleat campaign? God, I cannot say that word. I, I know, I know, it's a tongue twister. Well, you know, my calls my cleat has has been something that I've been I've been a part of for a long time, and I've always supported the um, <clears throat> the MS Society, okay. um, multiple sclerosis. I uh, I had two sisters. Um, with multiple sclerosis. One passed away about three years ago from MS. Um, and it was a disease that, you know, we really didn't know a whole lot about mm-hmm. 25, 30 years ago when they were first diagnosed. Um, but it's something that's, you know, very near and dear to my heart. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that I'm obviously always trying to, you know, raise awareness for having, you know, having had two sisters with it. Um and, you know, just seeing how it's impact other families, any way I can, you know, help bring awareness, help bring resources, money. Um, you know, I'm always trying to trying to help. You know, another guy who grew up kind of in my area is a baseball player named Ryan Zimmerman, who uh, played for the Nationals for a whole lot of years. And his mom um, was diagnosed with MS2 a number of years ago. And, you know, it's been it's been one of my missions just trying to help bring more awareness, bring more attention. Um, you know, like I said, just bring more resources. Uh, because when we found out about it, it wasn't a lot of, wasn't a lot of research, wasn't a lot of information to, to try to get better. Um, and especially having a sister pass away from it. Um, you know, I seeing the way that affected my mom, seeing the way that affected our family. Um, yeah. I just felt like it was, it was my duty, you know, it was mm-hmm. my duty to kind of let my story be known and let everybody yeah. know that, 
um, you know, that you're not alone in this fight. You, you know, what's really crazy, though, is that, um, you know, one of my former, uh, my pastor used to say something, and DeAndre, you're a great example of that, that, you know, once you're affected by something, you'll become an advocate for it. Yeah. And oh, yeah. so, and, yeah. and so hearing that story, I didn't even know that, you know, me and you I didn't each other for years and didn't even know that. And uh, sorry to hear that about your sister and stuff, but I think it's outstanding when players use their platform and all is as simple as some cleats, right? And that you're bringing attention to these things and giving a chance for so many families that now, because like you said, the research is more research has been done the way we can find and try and help people ease into things that are going on in their lives. I think it's outstanding. Um, and I did not know that, but I, I really applaud you for being such a strong advocate and standing up for that. Uh, it, it's outstanding. Not a, more than It's more than just a pair of cleats that you wear on your feet. No doubt. No doubt. I yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> so we got uh, we got some some quick here to questions. So All these right. are quick bangers. Boom, boom, boom. First thing yeah. comes to mind. First thing that comes to mind. All right? All right. Who has a better golf swing, you or Rome? He know that. Probably Rome. <laughs> he know that. I hate to say that, too, but I'm, working <laughs> on it. I'm telling you, next year, it ain't going to be him. So, 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 Peanut, you got to understand, we play in this shootout, bro, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It's, it's legit, bro. It's so fun, dog. Like, we... <laughs> We go all go out there. We have such a good time, man. There's so many of us, like, younger NFL guys, bro. We get to hang out with older guys, and we get to know each other through this. Like, this is how I got to know D'Angelo so well. And we really spend, like, three days, bro, and just, like, kick it. And uh, it's great. But right now, I do got it. I'm working, too, though. I'm going to be as, as much as we kick it, Ron, we have never been golfing. Well, because, Peanut, you don't want to golf. It's... We going to golf. Next time we can. He don't want to He don't want to golf. I brought him Does he golf at all? No. He's oh, been so through he three holes. He's out there all day. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't golf with beginner golfers, bro. I'm sorry. Better <laughs> have you out there all day. I never. <laughs> hey, I go out there with two balls. I go out there with two boxes of balls. I don't even look for my ball. No. If it ain't on the green, <laughs> I just drop where the next one is. Bro, I, it, I don't it, care. It, Denzel, uh, we yeah. get through like three holes, four holes. He's like, man, I'm bored. I, like, we done. I'm like, bro, we got to do the front nine. It's, it's frustrating. Because you my guy, I'm going to play golf with Thank you. Thank you. All right, next one. You ready? When you're not pursuing your career goals, do you still change tires in your spare time? <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Now, this is a skill that I think most people need to have, but I want to know. I want I got to hear the story from this. So look, that's 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 my oldest son. That was a couple years ago. My oldest son's twenty. That's his tutor's car, and it she got a flat tire coming to our house right outside of the neighborhood. That's the yeah. sign right behind the car, and I'm like, well, look, Miss Gabriel, come. I come take my car home. I'll just change the car. Like I'll change the tire. I, I've changed probably three or four tires before in my day. And so got down on my hands and knees. People seeing me in the neighborhood, know who I am, blowing the horn, saying what's up. I want to say my wife probably took that picture just to try to be funny because she was taking, you know, one of the probably girls to a cheer or something, um, leaving the house. But yeah, but yeah, you know, I, I don't mind getting my hands dirty, man, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, D-Hall, fill in the blank. Right now, 
my life is oh amazing amazing man like you know being able to being able to be a dad like i was a dude who grew up without a dad like literally guys didn't know didn't see my my dad's face until i buried him um and so never had a relationship with him and so for me to be drafted at 20 play 14 years leave the game get to talk about it on tv get to hang out with dudes that i was huge fans of um get to talk about it on tv with with, with you know these young guys just feeling like i've never had a job before like as a parent that's your aspirations for your kids right to yeah to to to, to be as happy go lucky as i am um and so like everything's just great man like i'm trying to pour as much knowledge and just information and understanding into my kids so that so that they can have the same opportunities you know what i mean that i had being a dad is, is has been so cool you know what i mean so dope it's just like everything's just amazing man like i do some real estate stuff you know you talked about some of the stuff i do on on, on the network and just just being able to always be home always take a kid lunch to school or you know what I mean it's just it's it's I'm having a blast at, in, in this chapter of my life man and that's why I'm not coaching like I don't like I ain't got no stress like I do what I want I ain't got nobody telling me like as much as we love the NFL I ain't really like people telling me what to do you know what I mean like 24-7 non-stop like you can't feel like you're walking on eggshells and especially in today's society right with social media just everything so accessible instant man i'm glad i wasn't playing during this era you know what i mean you know what i mean uh but i'm i'm just enjoying enjoying really relaxing man being a dad and just chilling well d man i appreciate it man we couldn't end it on a better situation a better story and a more relaxing feeling after that, man. Should no I go kick my feet up myself? Let's enjoy yeah. a little bit of this re- retirement slash second chapter, baby. Our <laughs> second acts are here. Yeah, baby, straight up kicked up, man. Thank you so much for coming on, man, and sharing. Appreciate you, D. No doubt, man. I appreciate y'all having me, man. We are purely, serious, seriously thankful. Uh, and I want to sit up here and thank all those listeners for tuning in. Ask you to spread the word and to give us a rating, a review, and a follow on Apple Podcasts, the Our Heart Radio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Shout out to us in the NFL Players Second Acts podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks, D-Hall. No doubt. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.